2: Dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This
1: is Morning Combat.
2: Oh, yeah, like a frozen rope in time at the Mayweather McGregor way. And we are rock hard with emotion and fired up. Oh, to the yeah, it's Morning Combat. And it's back in your face hole Friday, September 22nd, 2023. You know it's Friday. You know you ain't got shit to do. So welcome on in. I'm the uh, BBC with that BDE, that beige guy. I mean, looking so sweet in this average Joe art inspired Arnold Allen father-conceived Pacers gym PED workout shirt. I mean, how good How good would I look with this shirt and the same juice running through old Pacers veins? But you know why you're really here. The guy next to me, that cantankerous fool who's cleaning his glasses – dressed in mk merch he's washington dc's finest he folks is luke thomas
1: my glasses are smudged hi bc how are you happy uh friday to you it's going to be a great day uh today it's going to be a great weekend of storms and uh i'm going to end up probably seeing a terrible movie this weekend so there you go
2: i can't wait which one you going to see i'm going to take the family and grandma to uh the big fat greek wedding three (laughs) for real yeah we're de- my family gets down with that like seriously gets down with it like they were fired um, up okay i'd
1: rather have my prostate checked than see that movie Oh, get um, out of
2: here you go to all the you're like i went to the barbie movie i went to this bullshit. no i didn't go to barbie
1: I- movie i didn't see it oh okay you my wife standard. went i tell you what i did see everyone was raving about it it's good it's not
2: quite as good as everyone said
1: it was but it's good it's definitely good uh talk to me the horror movie Ooh.
2: Ooh, have you heard yeah, about was this? it was it like next level horror, like really smart horror, where you're like, damn, this is going somewhere?
1: You know? Yeah, it's definitely much more thoughtful. It's not like a traditional slasher flick at all. Now, yeah. it's not as sketchy and fucked up as uh, Hereditary, where the lady saws her own head off with piano wire. Well, uh, spoiler
2: alert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Okay.
1: So it's not quite as bad as that, but, uh, or as, as dark and twisted as that, but it's pretty dark and twisted. Also, last note. You know, I gave up on the Karate Kid TV series because I was like, I just don't care about the lives. Yeah, you. Of teens, by the way, you, know?
2: you you missed it. You you actually are wrong on that. History yeah. will show that you are on the wrong side on that. Okay. Let me let me issue an
1: amendment to that idea. I definitely don't care about the lives of teens in any kind of entertainment product unless it's a horror movie because they're all getting killed. And You're it's like, unless great. those
2: girls are going wild, then I'm back in. Right. All right. Yeah. Well, I
1: mean, you just ruined well. the conversation. Here, I was talking about wanton teen
2: death, and you made it horny. But that's what you do. That's what you yeah. do. Well, Luke, if there was a film that would describe working with you over the past six months, it would definitely be Titanic, okay? But the band's still playing right now, so we will move on. Mikey Mormile of CBS Sports on the ones and twos. Thank you very much. A fantastic show today. Maybe the most important head-to-head okay bet we have ever had as that race gets more tighter than, <laughs> than the junior prom, Luke. I mean, hey, Mikey, put
1: the camera on him. I got to switch my earpiece. It's not working. Okay, yeah, yeah, but how about
2: a little please? How about a little manners in there? That's really nice. Oh, sorry. I thought I was parenting my sons here. So yeah, back on me. Look at this merch, this merch hole right here. I want to talk to you guys about something. It's called morningcombat.store. It's the home of our merch. And for a limited time, this average Joe crossover, you know, you want wash dads, you want... Teenage mutant ninja dads That you know I mean girls do love Guys that eat out Right That's what we saw From that Hey go to Morningcombat.store Right now If you're into that stuff And uh, for a limited time This great merch Is available Also please frequent arnold allen's merch home wherever that is because the quality on this t-shirt that they rocked and sent us is fantastic thank you arnold and by the way dead wrong me later yeah you're not a lightweight you're a featherweight okay we'll get to that later we're also going to look at the latest news including some big ufc fight announcements for 295 and 296 to close this year a little weekend preview of some off the menu stuff one championship is back today there's also some boxing of note uh yeah and that's what we do here we recap what's going on in your world the combat world in my world which is being a ridiculously pos washed dad thank you very much uh luke anything else we need to get into or or get on or get around or or, or uh, get through
1: <laughs> get, i'm getting my new iphone today so we'll see oh, how wow. that goes
2: are you getting the 15
1: i'm getting the 15 you're yeah.
2: always ahead of the trends luke
1: I don't, well I mean the 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 iPhones are not that great dude people like if you've only ever had an iPhone I have terrible news for you the Android phones are better they're better than a nah, lot of
2: no yes. no dude that's like that's like trying to wipe left-handed Luke that's you're not it's I'm iPhone left-handed. or nothing I
1: mean
2: I know and you stand right in the place where you you know yeah <laughs> oh no, right. dude
1: I'm sorry the camera the the 48 um megapixel camera the, the new lens they've added on the 15 pro max. Dude, the Samsung S21 Ultra, so the, the Samsung from 2021 had that. You're just now getting it two years later on the iPhone. People who are Apple users don't realize this. I have all Apple products, but I have some PCs and Android they stuff. Don't need it.
0: Don't it's need not it. as
1: good. It's just not as good. It's not. I'm sorry.
2: You know, I always tell my dad, imagine what you could do with those 10 hours a day that you watch Fox News with. You know what I mean? Luke, I don't need whatever options you have, okay? What does you he know know say when saying? you tell him that? It doesn't end well, but, you know, we still have a great relationship. Just the same. Um... You want January 6th. Yeah, yeah, we'll see you there. Thank you very much. Can't wait for September 11th uh, as well uh, uh, for all those different reasons. Luke, Looking forward um, to it. Looking forward yeah, to it. You. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I know I had other stuff to talk about. We always have great bonus content, by the way, at youtube.com slash morning combat whether it is our recent room service diaries interview with one matt frivola or my chat with one championship submission star danielle kelly ahead of her inaugural title about Luke, are you into this Jessica Khan danielle kelly rivalry or you're not, you're not into that
1: no i'm not no
2: okay a little saucy i'm kind of i'm kind of yeah kind of scooping it up look not bad you can You know what
1: okay mikey here's what we're gonna do here's what we're gonna do from now on because i just we can't hide it anymore do you remember in the Dukes of Hazzard when the when the General Lee, which was the car, would come shooting into the air, it would always play the same tune? Da-na-na, it's, the, it's Dixie. da na 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 I don't know if we're going to play that one, but we're going to get something just like it. Every time BC does something horny, we're gonna that's sound not, the horny that's, alarm.
2: That's I can't get excited We're gonna about gonna Sound the trash horny alarm Luke? on
1: the show. You're you're gonna that have to pay to the horny well. alarm. Yeah.
2: Although Mikey's favorite meme is that horny animal with the yes. thing that he's wagging. Going the to guy horny the jail. Head. Going to well, horny look, jail. Speaking of horny jail, our good friends over there at MMA on point in the UK. You know our good friends. Luke, what are their names again? Great guys.
1: Um Jason. MMA on point guys.
2: Yeah, Jason. <laughs> just Jason. There's the other yeah, guy that's Jason,
1: a f- Balian, uh, a few guys. Well,
2: Balian has like, is that his real name or his video game name? He he lives in different worlds, right? I know, that's his, his name is probably game.
1: like Steve, but he goes by yeah. Balian, yeah.
2: All right. Well, Luke, somebody, one of our donks, I forgot, I should have shouted them out, was like, hey, you better talk to your boys over there. on on point, they just they just slam dunked on you. Let's watch one of their recent videos, if you don't mind here, talking about the rise of Paige Van Zandt. Money and racking up 3.2 million Instagram followers, which is far more than anyone else on this list. And yeah, I'm sure at first it was a lot of MMA fans that joined that particular online platform. Brian Campbell knows what I'm talking about. But the fact of the matter is, although she was a well known figure in MMA as a model, on- all right, all right, laugh it up. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh it up. Uh, I do not subscribe to anyone's OnlyFans, but uh. You know, cameo.com slash Brian Campbell is a great way to be a patronizing patron of my Patreon. So check that out. I got a couple videos in the hopper that I'm going to carry out later today, like a Luke live chat question. But with more effort, that's what I'm talking about here. Um, Luke, anything else you want to say so we can wrap this long intro? To me, long intros are like, you know what I mean? It's part of life. It's breath. It's, it's, It's communion among donks. If you fast forward through the intros, I don't know if I want you your subscription anymore Luke? is that too hard i like
1: doing long intros too but every program director i've ever had hated them so yeah all right worth.
2: well let's get to the point here we go head to head a big weekend of fights including ufc fight night at the apex and how about bellator 299 on saturday in dublin it's all gonna fuel this competition that has been sweeping your attention across this great nation and maybe even beyond two washed men hovering around 500 willing to to go head-to-head five times on a Friday to figure out who's worse at making predictions and who's going to have to watch a concert that they uncomfortably do not want to be at. Is it Jam Band City or Abortion Rock to the Nines? (laughs) Let's find out. This one's called OK Bet.
0: Ah. it's not
1: going to be it's not going to be i mean there's a chance it could be cannibal corpse or dying fetus but i don't know if they'll be touring at the time and in, in the event that i win it yeah. will probably be something a little bit less insane than that a little bit less insane
2: Do, yeah yeah all right well just to recap we went over it earlier this week but luke went two and three last week i went three and two and a reminder on the overall standings as we begin i think percentage wise you're in the lead here here's the here's the record 65 65 and four is Luke Thomas at 500. I'm just under 500 at 66, 67, and one. Luke having three more ties, which I guess you would get on, what, a draw or a no contest maybe, a tie maybe? Yeah, we
1: got to figure out exactly how we're scoring it, but uh, that Either is way, one interpretation.
2: Either way, I'm comfortable saying, Luke, for this probably the last time you are in the lead, you get the champion's advantage, you get to overrule my picks, you get to pick if you go first or second. Uh, you're the king for now, Luke, but I am – already lighting lighting silent but deadly farts onto your throne just ter- like like Luke crop dusting through first class on his way to the middle seat and coach you know what i'm saying like no i don't sit on the middle seat feel and me. I don't do that i don't
1: do You that. can
2: you can feel me right now all right
1: yeah I can. there it is I mean, see what I'm, I'm saying i play it all so show
2: Yes, yes. All right, Luke, are you going first or second on this? Um, uh,
1: Let me go second. I've been going first, and it's been going very poorly for me. So let me pick up something that has nothing to do with the outcome and use it as a way to change up the routine a little there you go go.
2: luke flipping the script so let's do it what we have deemed our biggest fight of the week obviously johnny eblin is defending his title in bell tour but he's a much bigger favorite here but the ufc fight night main event will serve as our okay bet main considering how close these odds are in this main event at the moment rafael faziv minus 155 according to caesars plus 130 Mateus gamra anybody's fight in theory so luke for my main event pick. I did see who you were going with first. And not only do I want to spice up this okay bet, but I still believe in this guy. I'm going to take Mateus Gamrot right here, okay? Mm. I'm looking at his patterns of wins and losses. He does only lose to the super elite. I realize that there's times in big fights with him where we just want a little bit more in this category to offset, to be a complete fighter and be well-rounded. But I'm going to back him right here, Luke. I've got a feeling here against a very capable Raphael Fazeev, who is obviously motivated to bounce back from this very close loss to Justin Gaethje. But what if Gamrock can get that mixture of controlling the, you know, the terms at times with the wrestling, but also keeping that jab out there? And if he can step up his offensive output, is it possible that he could control the terms enough to win a close but disputable decision here after five rounds? I'm going to say yes, Luke. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes right here. Give me Gamrot by slight upset in this main event, even if Fazeev feels like still the guy with the brighter long-term ceiling.
1: Okay. I mean, I can't say it. The pick in either direction for this main event is wrong. This is another good UFC fight in terms of uh, just who's uh, uh, battling. And we talked about the stakes. We talked about some of the contours of what the fight might look like. I'm going to stick with the... Favorite here, not favorite by a lot, but the favorite just the same, Raphael Faziv. I mean, certainly you just know Gamrot has the ability to take over a fight with his wrestling. Not so much to do a lot of damage with it, but certainly to, at times, win close contests to really control his opponents. He can do that. On the feet, he's terribly overmatched, and I do just kind of feel like Faziv is going to probably lose a couple of rounds, maybe. It may go the distance, and it may be really close. But his ability to do damage, his ability to create scrambles, I think is going to really mess up Gamrot in ways that like Jalen Turner wasn't fully able to take advantage of. Give me Rafael Fazeev.
2: Luke, let's talk about the, the potential here with the takedown defense, because if Fazeev can keep this on the feet longer than not, his chances are going to increase. We know that you, you laid it out perfectly. Does recent history tell you uh, any, any direction in terms of whether he'll be able to do that against Gamrot?
1: I definitely feel like he's going to st- – I mean, Gamrot is an overwhelming wrestler, not a lights-out wrestler, right? It's not like once he gets a hold of you, all of a sudden problems emerge. Even the great Habib Nurmagomedov wasn't that way. He had a sub-50% completion on his takedown attempts, right? But it didn't matter because he would chain it and then chain it and chain it so that eventually he just got you down. Gamrot's not quite the same as a B, but there's just this – I mean, he'll shoot as many times as he has to – So he can get that one takedown. And once he does, he's pretty good about maintaining control on the mat. So the question is really, you know, can Fazeev stop the takedown? Yes, but that's not really what we're looking at. The question is how many can he stuff? And to the extent he gets taken down, how quickly can he scramble? I think he's going to be able to do that enough to get the win. It will be close, I think. I mean, you can imagine a case where, in fact, he gets that just a little bit too, not wrong, but Gamrot overwhelms him. You can imagine that where it's very, very close, but Gamrod did enough good work to take the decision. I'm just sort of betting on the idea that Fazeev will struggle like everyone does when they fight Gamrot, but will have enough success for it to matter.
2: Yeah, I think we're both laying out the potential here of a close fight. I do like what Gamrot can do over the totality of, of the chance here with five rounds. Can he mix the wrestling? I mean, he's going to have to level up in some level. Because like we said, Gamrot feels like he's like one key part away from really starting to put it together. Maybe it's being more of an offensive presence in top position once he has a takedown. Or maybe it's just leveling up his, his striking to a certain degree where... He won't get overwhelmed, but look, I, I don't, I don't see him getting stopped here by Fazib for as dangerous as as Fazeev can be. And if he can hang in there, it really can come down to some the way it's scored, you know, or it can come down to control time. It can come down to some of those elements here. It's an interesting fight, man. You love, you love what it's all about. The stakes here, and in terms of what this means, I just, I don't know. Gamrat feels so damn close to putting it together, and even though my knee jerk is telling me Fazeev is the hotter, you know, prospect of the moment, the gamrot's going to show us something here i'm feeling it. i'm feeling the polish luke i'm feeling it. all right i feel very polish okay not so much legendary polish power but just very polish in general luke let's keep it going on the favorites here and i'm going to stay on this ufc card in a co-main event that certainly demands our attention in the featherweight division and when i'm picking favorites here I like Bryce Mitchell bouncing back. Minus 200 against Dan Ige. We laid out perfectly on Wednesday. Really what this fight means to both of them and the questions facing both, even though is entering on a more of a hot streak for sure with two straight wins. He had just lost three in a row before that. So if Bryce Mitchell is wearing some level of receipt from the Teporia loss in in the big layoff, yes, this could be a troublesome fight for him. But I've been watching the interviews close. Yeah, like everybody else, I watched him debate uh, Flat Earth and all of that on the BYM podcast, Luke. And that had all of our audience demanding a room service diaries with Bryce Mitchell so that you and Bryce can go deep on Building 7 and the rest of, of, you know. Maybe we'll get a little JFK on that, too. A little Zapruder action, Luke. But here's the deal. Bryce should be able to have control on the ground and be a constant threat here. I do for as damaging as that loss was to his ego, to to physically, uh, and we saw some very, you know, uh humble, you know, very like The reaction of him showing us, you know, weakness in that moment, sure, you can jump on him for that, but it was also the real feeling he had after a defeat that hard. I think he's wired in a way that he's set up to bounce back. And if it's skill for skill and both of these guys are where they need to be, I still think Bryce Mitchell's the better fighter. I'm comfortable with this pick, Luke. I hope you're picking against him here because I'm I'm backing this guy. Now, the flat earth thing, it's quite, you know, we got debates, but I think I can get in in bed with some of his ideas, maybe more about reptilianation, Luke. But that's really just for another podcast at another time.
1: You're going to take the side of the guy who shredded his own nutsack with a power drill?
2: Okay, may, you know, maybe not take the – I mean, maybe this is more of like the uh, Kurt Schilling incident with the uh, snarky ginger Luke. You know, I liked Kurt as a baseball player. He had moxie. It doesn't Kurt was I a great won.
1: baseball player. You I know, remember was, the bloody sock game. I mean, he was it was remarkable. Yeah,
2: I, was, I was there in the crowd. It was fantastic, yeah. you know?
1: Um, I mean, listen, I think Bryce is going to win too. I like Danny Gay a lot. Now, th- I, you would agree, though, I think minus 200 is probably right for Bryce a winnable fight for Danny Gay. I think you would agree it's a winnable fight for him. They're not so far apart that I think he couldn't get it done. It's just that Bryce has got an overwhelming style in terms of his grappling control. You know, he said something this week. I didn't think to pull the audio, but um, he said something at media day, and he was like, it was very... Dude, he was very right and very reflective of of himself, and I actually, like... People were kind of killing him for it because they're like, oh, he's making excuses. Dude, these fighters hide injuries... From their coaches, they hide it from themselves, from commissions, from anyone they can, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for bad reasons. And he realized he had no business taking a fight, and he admitted it being as sick as he was. Um, I think he had some kind of viral infection uh, taking a fight. And he even said it with a fighter as good as Ilya Taporia. It was a stupid mistake. He's right. He's right, you cannot fight Ilya Taporia handicapped in any capacity. So people being like, Oh, he's making excuses. I would still pick Ilya Teporia to win, but I can understand how Bryce might feel a lot of regret about being I'm too I'm tough enough to get through it. You know, mindset is all that matters at some point. No, that's not all that matters. Like other factors come into play. I really enjoyed hearing him say that. I enjoyed like the reflective ability he had in that moment. So I do think highly of his ability. I do think he's a very good fighter. Uh, he's got some wackadoo ideas about the world, but he's got great ability in the cage, and that's really what this is all uh, comes down to. So I think winnable for Dan Ige, but that's not my pick, BC. Um, I think Bryce Mitchell's a good pick. For my favorite, going to go a slightly different direction, same card, I'm going to go with Tamirez Vidal, who takes on Monserrat. Um, what's her last name? I forget her last Ruiz? name. Ruiz? But... Say again? Ruiz? No, it's it's a different young lady. Uh, Montserrat Rendon. Oh, you're not
2: talking about Cornejo. Um,
1: no, Cornejo, which, yeah, would be r- rabbit, but no. Um, it's uh, She's a 5-0 Mexican fighter, 34 years old. Um, she's fighting. She, her last contest was in Invicta. Tamirez Vidal out of Brazil, uh, she won her last contest with a double switch knee, and it, the knee went to the liver a beautiful shot first round stoppage she's kind of heavy-handed spark plug gets after opponents backs them up heavy you know heavy strikes can be hit a little bit but is really overwhelming against somebody who has gone to like li- quite literally nothing but decisions in her fight has more of a grappling-based game I think she's probably going to get overwhelmed give me Tamir Vidal in the uh All in right. the prelim
2: card. uh minus 230 Vidal one plus 190 Montserrat I'm not sure if you said that Luke I have a barking dog and a, i did not i did not a cat trying to scratch this door in this off it's just regular life problems luke uh quickly do you think like i wanted to get a gauge on where you think bryce mitchell's stock is i mean obviously look he's got to answer all the questions from that tapuria loss but as things stand right now does he at least get to the title challenge for a title level do you still believe in that how old is he i believe he's about 28 i'm going to double check while you speak it
1: uh i want to double check too. 28 he, uh, 28 28 yeah
2: yeah, I think it's possible.
1: Yeah, especially if Volk moves along. And, you know, as good as Max is, Max could reclaim it. But, you know, he's getting up there in age two in terms of the miles, in terms of the miles he's accumulated. So I do think that there's going to be some turnover in this division a lot in the next two years. Next two years, there could be a lot of turnover. I don't think that Bryce is going to be a much of a match in the end for Ilya Teporia if he becomes the ascendant name in this division. But, like... You know, dude, how about Brian Ortega versus Bryce Mitchell? If Bryce Mitchell oh. looks good against Dan Egay, like
2: oh hell yeah, give it to I me, mean, you know on. what I mean? And, and this yeah. is a tough fight for
1: this is a tough fight for him, but I think it would also be winnable if he can really show improvement, which is um Yair Rodriguez versus Bryce Mitchell. Again, we're positing a world where he comes back and looks very good against Dan Egay, much more like the version he showed against Edson Barboza. Do I think he, he could contend for a title? He has that kind of ability, I do think so, but. He has to start with. I mean, dude, Danny Gay is not the, is the wrong guy to look past. The wrong yes. guy to look past. I
2: mean, at some point, you do need to be like BC. Stop betting against Eric Nixick fighters, right? At some point, right? I, I like the I like the
1: Bryce Mitchell pick. I'm just saying, for a, if you're Bryce Mitchell, and you're trying to get back and get right and really show your potential, you cannot fuck this one up. Like, in, and especially if what you said was true previously, which was. You know, I took a fight when I was sick. I should not have. That guy was way too good. That was way too much overestimating my own own ability. Well, if you have a healthier sense of your ability and you're not sick, this is the time to show it. Right here against a very quality opponent in Dan Ige
2: absolutely let's keep the okay bet train going and here's what i'm going to do for underdog we're going to get into this fight a little bit in our preview later uh but i'm going to pick the underdog here joe joyce plus 100 in this immediate rematch with china's Zhang jillay they fought in april for the interim wbo heavyweight boxing championship which really just means like a you know a claim on on getting in line to fight the champion when he's available and and uh Actually, Usyk might become available because of uh, Tyson Fury's schedule. But uh, I'm going to take Joyce to bounce back. He was stopped by uh, Zhang Jelay in round six of their first fight. But I got a lot of info to share regarding that. Give me Joyce, the juggernaut here, the slow-footed and even slower-handed juggernaut to uh, avenge the defeat.
1: Okay, fair enough. I will go for my underdog pick. This is the one that I consistently do the worst at, so take that for what it is worth. I'm going to give a bit of a nod to J.J. Wilson. J.J. Wilson, you might recall, we've talked about him before, one of the much better guys out of the Oceanic region. He's Kiwi in particular, who fights for Bellator. And actually not even that. You could say just outside of that CKB world, who are some other Kiwis who are doing great. um, He's one of them. So his fight against Mansoor Barnawi, who – we thought was going to do well against Brent Premis, but Brent Premis overwhelmed him in the end. He's sitting, according to our friends at Caesars BC, at a plus 210, Mansour Barnawi at minus 260. Again, Barnawi should win this contest, but J.J. Wilson is scrappy as hell. His wrestling has been a little bit deficient, but his grappling is very good. He has a good guard. He has great back takes. He has good back attacks, and his, he's sort of growing into his body as he gets a little bit older. I'm not sure how old he is, at the present moment, I will look that up here. Uh, actually, let me tell you. He is J.J. Wilson currently joins us in the – oh, God damn it. Where is it? This card is so goddamn long. Why don't you ask the smart cage for help, Luke, please? I should. I should ask the smart cage for help. Uh, there it is. J.J. Wilson joins us at a ripe old age of 26. So he's at that stage where every time you see him, he's going to get better and better. Again, bar now we should win. We're making underdog picks. Among underdog opportunities, I think this is a decent one. Mallory Kidd, J.J. Wilson.
2: I hope you're the one afterwards that's man sour. If this pick doesn't go your way, Luke. Okay, yeah, all right. Luke, I know people do want to know, not if you think Eric Nixick is a better trainer than Eugene Bearman at the moment, because sometimes that fluctuates based on performance. But has, his, has Eric Nixick stole your heart more than that CKB Bonaire you've been carrying around for, you know, a couple calendar years here? I mean, can we put Oceana away for a while and, and focus on this American hunk?
1: <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We need it. We need it. We need the horny alarm on the show for you.
2: I mean, you're the guy that texted him about his jewels. Hold on. I got to let Reggie Jackson out. Can you, you, made that
1: you made me. You made me. How about that? There he is. He's going to go let his cat in, everyone, because that's the kind of man he is, the kind of man who gets bossed around by his, his own cats.
2: No, I had to his... let the cat out, Luke. I had to let, let Reggie out back into civilization. There we go. Okay. <clears throat> Let's go. Next pick, my guy. Yeah, I guess it is, Luke. You're not going to answer the question. I guess we're just going to move on. Uh, The correct answer was Eric Nixick. Thank you. Let's go over to uh, over and under, Luke, and uh, I'm going to go off the menu here. Uh, I did find odds on this, although I don't need odds for this pick, but I guess there's a BKFC 50 event this weekend, and the Cruiserweight Championship will be at stake. Lorenzo Hunt, who has, you know, really – Really built something here with this knockout streak in BKFC and the uh winning the championship despite not having an overly decorated MMA run. He's got Chris Camozzi, who we certainly know well from MMA. This is a cruiserweight title bout. And Luke, it's not gonna go the, the five-round distance. Lorenzo Hunt produces knockouts and uh um I'm hoping this one goes early here so I can take over the lead and maybe uh, you know. I mean, I don't know what this jam band's going to look like, but it's going to be, wow, it's good. Luke, there's going to be a lot of patchouli. It's going to be fantastic. I'm just going
1: to OD on sleeping pills and call it a day. I mean, that's okay. just, you know, <laughs> right. that's how I'm going to take in your like I'm going
2: to mail it in like I do a lot of these MK episodes. Just oh, so I don't want to hear it, yeah.
1: bitch. Uh, I don't, yeah, I'm yeah. first on the calls, not you.
2: We but should right. have a... We should have a high court, you and I, just 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 airing all of our dirty laundry on the public. Decide, now, BC, right?
1: Mikey says that the KO or subcategory is the only one I'm worse at than underdog. That's true technically, but it misses the spirit of it, which is I often identify fights um, that are like, you know, destined to come to a halt. I just sometimes get the pick wrong, whereas on the underdog, I'm just matter-of-factly way off, like yeah. not even in the ballpark of something that actually is going to happen. So it's a little bit different in that way, but okay for the over under on this one you're like oh Luke, you're farming this for results which i am but of course yeah. you know picking a BKFC fight BC is the exact same fucking thing no
2: no it's not they go oh, to the yes distance yes it is yes, they go it to is, the dude. distance
1: those guys get cut those guys no. get fucking hey, teeth knocked I out. I hope
2: you're about to pick a women's fight right now because every time you hang back for that easy layup, no, 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 Mutombo. Who else wants to sex with No, the that's Mutombo not true. Luke, the okay? last one that time
1: is... I did it, the last one time you did it, it did that. But previously, you're that's not the case right now. And you're of course, cursed. give me Marina Rodriguez versus Watterson Gomez yeah. going the distance.
2: <laughs> Luke, your picking ability has a venereal disease.
1: Yeah, it's, I'm on, I'm on a, I mean, I'm in a I'm in a batting slump. There's no denying. Yeah. I just don't have my confidence. What's I can't see the pitches you coming, out. you know.
2: Yeah, I hear you. What's going to break you out of this bubble? Um I'm going to go over uh no, KO or sub on this. I mean, what do how do we read Muhammad Usman right now, brother of Kamaru? Um he is you know, he's got a big motor for a big dude. He's going to be taking on Jake Collier who's on a three-fight losing skid. You know, it kind of makes sense. You could see a knockout here given their styles and their size. Um, Even if it's a TKO ground and pound, which Usman, you know, can smother people. Collier is on a bad run. Give me this one to envy a KO. And I think it's going to be an Usman brother getting his hand raised.
1: They're pro- I mean, I think Collier is going to get tagged and then try to wrestle. I don't know how successful that's going to be. Usman is like just a better athlete and a natural heavyweight. Whereas Collier's just kind of... I mean, I'm not trying to fat shame him, but he has blown up. I mean, that's just the reality. Um, So I I, I actually actually think it's a pretty good pick. But, you know, with heavyweights, it's always like, you know, hard to know. For my KO or sub, I don't know about this one either, but I'm trying to figure it out. Here's the thing. Tim Means is 39 years old. He is well-rounded, but he still likes to strike. He's been finished, I think, in at least two of his last four, if not three of his last four fights. So... Give me Tim Means versus Andre Fialio uh, ending in KO. Fialio also, I think, is either coming off of a KO loss or was the one previous to this one. Those two are going to slug it out. When you got a 39-year-old welterweight, it's like, "Mm, I don't know how this one's going to go. So
2: we'll see. No, I I think that's actually a decent pick right there. And Fialio bangs. I mean, that guy guy looks to throw bombs, and he eats. He's got a good chin, too, so that could be a wild fight. He's
1: the William Hung. He bang, he banged. Yeah,
2: oh yeah, he does. Um, oh, uh, Tim Means is the Dirty Bird, right?
1: That's right. Great, great nickname, and it fits him too because yeah. he's got kind of this lanky appearance. So whenever
2: you know? I hear that, I I instantly imagine Jamal Anderson and the '98 Atlanta Falcons, Luke. Oh my but god. But then, yeah. do you remember that got stained when uh, Eugene Robinson got a whore the night before the Super Bowl, and then like they suspended him and? I don't remember that. Remember that. That's so oh, funny. Yeah, that like it was like them shooting themselves in the foot before the game even happened. Uh Luke, we didn't end up picking the uh, Bellator 299 main event, which is going to go down in Dublin on Saturday. Johnny Only Ebblin. on Showtime, by the way. 4 p.m. in the East is the start of the main card. The prelims begin on YouTube at 11 a.m. Eastern. And if you want to check this out, why wouldn't you? How about take a free run with Showtime for 30 days by going to Showtime.com? But we do like this fight, Johnny Eblen against the brother of Leon Edwards, Luke. Uh, or are we going to stop calling him, though, the brother of Leon Edwards if Fabian can get a big win here? Uh, Johnny Ebelin at Media Day was asked something that we had a video out about that I think Johnny Ebelin even retweeted Luke The idea of where he kind of stands in the middleweight world rankings right now. And his quote on media day was, I believe I am one of the best, if not the best middleweight in the world. I can't take anything away from Sean Strickland. He's a great fighter. I have nothing but respect, but I'm the most consistent champion for now. I just recently got the belt. Let's let history play out. Um, we, We expect him to win here against edwards luke um is there going to be areas where you think he there, there could be a banana peel or is this going to be one-way traffic in your eyes
1: it should be one-way traffic i mean i'll say this though if you look at fabian edwards's record first of all if he beats johnny eblin that's the best fighter he's beaten you know i know not name but in quality at the time he fought them it would be his biggest win by a mile uh if you ask me it'd be a big big win so with that in mind um it's still something of an uphill climb he has he's never been finished but he got controlled and decisioned by austin vanderford and so if you're just doing some math and you know mma math is tricky and uneven but if you're thinking you're like dude if austin vanderford can wrestle him probably johnny eblin can because johnny eblin is coming off wins over anatoly tokov and you know yeah. some other fighters as well like john salter who can wrestle like he's he's shown against other gifted grappling fighters he's still more dominant than them um yeah it's a tough fight for edwards johnny eblin should win this one walking away
2: dude you gotta say it like if the if bellator does end up merging with pfl eventually in some sort of buyout and and what we feel would be the right move right now i know like we, we knee jerk be like wow wow it's aj mckee it's aaron pico it's uh it's yusman it's you know it, vadim nemkov but how about johnny eblin and yaroslav amasov as well like these are oh, like yeah legit guys that fit into the top 10 world rankings globally. And um, yeah, so, I mean, you got to give Bellator that credit. How
1: about the Bellator 205 division?
2: Like, full of good
1: fighters in there. Uh,
2: Like, you do have to really give – like, that's been the greatest win for Bellator, I think, in recent years. The ability to – they're not all homegrown, right? People end up coming from somewhere, but, like, all these people made their their name, their bones, became elite under the Bellator banner. Like, that that matters.
1: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, dude. Like, Patchy Mix is homegrown, so if he wins against Sergio Pettis, you've got that. But the other part is Sergio Pettis has matured under bellator's banner into the guy he has become now he matured over time in ufc as well i'm just saying the most current iteration was not the guy who came over from ufc he has grown into that role and so like i've seen people be like you know what would be the value in buying bellator why would you even want to do that if you're pfl i'm like dude guys like stop it look at the roster there's a shit ton of good names you would absolutely want to have if you could get it at the right price which it appears they they may have done
2: uh Eblin also said Luke he feels he's gonna be too slick for Edwards. He feels he's gonna break Edwards' face. And he said, I have no problem staying with him with him for the whole fight. And he referenced going toe to toe with Sean Strickland. So is there a, a long history of those guys going at it and sparring and stuff?
1: Oh yeah, they're, they're and they're apparently great training partners. And you would <laughs> just have to imagine, dude, like you're these guys are perfect for training partners. One, they're both like high-intensity spar guys. But more than that, you've got really great wrestling from Johnny Eblin, which we know. We know uh, Sean Strickland has great takedown defense, at least very good takedown defense. It's only going to get better working with Johnny Eblin, and Johnny Eblin working with, you know, we we saw what he did to Izzy. Working with a guy like that under pressure, under duress, being able to move, keep your cardio, still wrestle, find an opportunity to strike—that's going to be. This is going to be very, very valuable for you. So
2: are, these guys are going to level each other
1: up big time.
2: Yeah, and of course, Aaron Pico going against Pedro Carvalho. A win there would be, you know, among the biggest of Pico's career. And, and Pico did say this week, this is the last one. I win this. I, I deserve the title shot next. So, I mean, could you imagine him and Patricio Pitbull for the featherweight title? <laughs> uh,
1: I could, although I'll say this. They've got Aaron that no, Pico. That's
2: badass, dude. That's a badass fight. That's bad-ass a badass fight. fight. But I got to
1: tell you, they've got uh, our friends at Caesars. Have Aaron <clears throat> Pico as a minus eleven hundred over a plus seven hundred Carvalho. Guys, I think Pico's gonna win. Please don't misunderstand me, but plus seven hundred on Carvalho, that's a bit strange. It's a bit that's, that's a bit strange.
2: That is very they once wow, they're expecting a steamroller to
1: happen. Yeah, they're treating right him like there. he's just some other guy, and he's not some other guy.
2: No, no, he's not. Uh Luke, time to transition off of okay Bet and into our topics here on this Friday. Uh, and we're going to focus on some big fight announcements. Topic number one, UFC 295, Madison Square Garden in November. Yeah, Jon Jones versus Stipe Miocic. We were waiting to see if we were going to get a big one. We were promised the potential of a big co-main event. Oh, wow. Dude, we got it. We got it. The vacant 205-pound title brings us Yuri Prohatska, the former champion, and Alex Padeda. Uh, It is officially announced as for the vacant, which ends some controversy over the last week where where Jamal Hill's name on screen is still being called the champion, the UFC rankings page. Hill still listed as champion. So people were wondering, did a, and did a changeover actually take place? Apparently it has Luke, this fight. Bangs. I mean, it, I mean, dude, what does this do to the overall value now of, of 295 MSG in your eyes?
1: I mean, people are gonna say this is crazy, but like in terms of being an intriguing fight, it might be more interesting than the main event. I know that's gonna sound crazy because, folks, there are a lot of MMA fans who missed Jon Jones's prime and missed Stipe's prime, and now want to just pretend they're still in their primes. But neither here nor there.
2: Dude, you're a bigger hater on this on this fight. <laughs> then you are on Raul Rosas Jr. taking over yeah. the world.
1: Not, not a hater on him either. Just don't think it's wise to start your career at 18 unless you're a prodigy. and we, He's not a prodigy, so why would you do that? But neither here nor there on that one too. This fight, this co-main event, first of all, just just BC, you would surely agree with this. Just getting some order in this goddamn division is welcome as hell. Like, yes. let's yes. get a champ. Let's get this queue moving. Let's get some but, sorting happening. I want to
2: interrupt you. The chaos, though, has not been without merit. It's been entertaining as shit. The fights that the outside of the Ankaliyev draw, the fights okay, yeah, have been. I was about been, to say
1: the Ankaliyev and Blahovich fight was not outside
2: great. of that one, and that's a big one, vacant title. I get it. Outside of that, the fights have been balls bonanza on a well, regular. That's what I'm basis. saying. Like
1: there's this, there's a bunch of new and fun permutations you can play with, but you got to keep everything moving. This fight is so fucking great for just any number of reasons. First of all, welcome back Yuri Prokhorchik. I hope he and his shoulder are doing well, and like he's really ready to resume his career. That's great news. How about Alex Pereira, dude? This guy is going to speed run potentially wow. becoming a double champ not at the same time. But in the way that Couture was or BJ Penn was, he's going to speed run that um, in just the most amazing of of, of potential ways. So fast, so dynamic, made a huge name for himself in another sport and has made absolute best use of his time while he has been here. You kind of almost are rooting for him on that level alone. But of course, Prochaka has a great story <coughs> in terms of the redemption arc he's looking for. And we see the style contrast where you've got Pareda as a, well, both guys as heavy hitters, but Pareda a bit more of a surgical one when he wants to be, certainly the more yeah. decorated stand up guy. But at the same time,
2: is fucking wild as shit. Well, dude, it is I th- absolutely unpredictable. This fight
1: bangs.
2: Okay, it bangs on every level. And even if Yuri gets like injured in the fight, he'll fight to death with half of his body hanging, you know, by one thread. I mean, this is going to be a crazy fight in line with Glover and Jamal, and obviously, uh, the other earlier permutations of Glover Prohatska and some of the craziness uh with Blahovich, who had some good fights. Also, some stinkers there, but I want to say this if Pereira wins this, and you can almost make the argument already, but obviously, if he wins this, he becomes a two division champion. When you talk about the speed of transitioning from a separate sport directly into the UFC, instantly thrown against some pretty damn good competition, but then right after that, right into the title picture and wins titles in two divisions. That's actually more impressive than Brock Lesnar getting out of a WWE ring and then getting out of Vikings uh, practice, you know, to to tryouts and then becoming the UFC heavyweight champion in three or four fights, which is just different era, but still remarkable. That's crazier than that, Luke. That's sort of the go-to of like somebody walking off the street from another profession. I get it's kickboxing. It's close. I get that. But this has been, dude, like when entering the Strickland fight, because we didn't know if he was going to win that, right? He could have lost that, got exposed. We had no, like, imagine if entering the Strickland fight, somebody told you, oh, by the way, he's going to have two title fights with with Izzy, including knocking him out to win the championship. Oh, and then two fights after that, he's going to be the light heavyweight champion. You'd be like, wait, what? What? Seriously? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. I mean,
1: think about how many UFC fighters, and I'm being serious, like in terms of the amount that they sign per year and whatever the churn is, what percentage of UFC fighters ever get a title shot it's a very small number yeah. what percentage get title shots in a different weight class right so one and one and one and another and then what's the percentage of guys who ultimately win titles in two- weight classes and even if they do how quickly are they able to do it it's he's he's if he wins it's truly i'm not even joking it's one of the more remarkable championship runs in UFC history not for its bc not for its length before its girth I'm that's serious. How, please. That's
2: what I'm talking about. <laughs> you all know right? what I mean? Can because we finally it's the, score one for maximum girth.
1: impact in the shortest possible window?
2: I frankly kind of ever seen. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, about time girth getting the shout out. It deserves. Um, I mean, Prohaska <laughs> bouncing back off an of injury and winning back the title. He never lost would obviously also, also be incredible and go a long way in, in yes. continuing to build his unique sort of, uh, because you know, he doesn't, he, he just comes from MMA a little bit more off the radar. I mean, he got obviously significant high level experience before coming to the UFC, but he also has made a dramatic turn from like UFC debut to champion and now back in the championship spot again. Uh, yeah, this dude, this pay per view, which is not overly deep, but Luke, in my opinion, when you have a main and co main like this, I don't even care if you should, if you just if you soil the carpet with the rest of the undercard because. This is elite promoting. This is a major. I mean, MSG is already a major, but now it really feels like a major, right? I mean, indulge my romance for a second
1: here. Yeah, okay? I mean, I think certainly as, listen, I love the co-main. I'm less in love with the main, but we're talking as promotional attractions. This is this is fantastic. They're going to do gangbusters with this card. Now, I will say, though, the one thing, and it's kind of a different conversation, my understanding is the cheapest ticket available for this event at msg like the nosebleeds was nine hundred dollars yeah. so and that was nine hundred pe-
2: during the pre-sale luke so like the people that were like ahead of Jesus. the game their best option and i have multiple people that tried to get tickets this way and were like yeah nine hundred and eleven dollars for the last row at the top of the uh,
1: so i mean i just can't believe people are paying ticket prices like that like Either you're either, either everyone is much richer than I realized, or people are just, you know, going into insane credit card debt. But the point I wanted to make was like, you know, if the UFC can get these prices, that's amazing. But, you know, they, they've they been bragging about like all these records they're setting and they are. But I got to wonder, like, they'll do well for this one. But dude, right. these ticket prices are fucking crazy. Yeah. Not so just them, everyone's ticket prices are high. This is the UFC's debate,
2: right? Like, are you cutting off your ability to create new fans as quickly? If 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 so many you know of the regular fans can't go to this because this is above the prices that we sort of accept as an American sporting public at face value. If you get a chance to buy Super Bowl tickets or you know college football like Giant Bowl or SEC championship or whatever, that people are seem to have been okay with. Yeah, well that's a five hundred dollar outing, right? And you know we'll indulge if it's a concert we must see for a couple hundred bucks. But, like, this is not UFC 300. It's UFC at MSG, which which matters. But it's not like this is, like, well, this is the biggest fight card in five years. It's not that. That's, like, what are you – you know, and I'm not going to throw stones because if you set the price and people pay for it – I come from boxing, Luke. They jack up. At the MGM Grand yep. or at T-Mobile, jack up the prices. They get insane live gates. A lot of the tickets are, you know, casino-owned high rollers and all that for sure. But that also squeezes the regular fan. I get that. But now we're talking last row is almost a thousand dollars. That's a different argument, I think. Really. So I just say be careful with that. I mean, it's a, they're going extreme greed. It seems in every category right now, and and the, I think the the educated fear is what's the cost of to the product of, of living like that what's the eventual cost we'll see but i, I fear that luke yeah i hate that yeah i, I
1: mean that, this is what monopolies do they're, they can't make the product much better but they can extract wealth so they're gonna
2: every drop luke box to be fair that's this is boxing style boxing takes its hardcore fan base and is like you are going to have to pay up the freaking kazoo but we know you're addicted we know you're gonna do it the the funny
1: part about how why mma fans hate boxing so much is is because slowly over time mma is turning into it Uh,
2: so you know enjoy it is what it is right there all right topic number two is Yet another monster announcement. Uh the MSG pay-per-view in November at, at, uh is just big enough, but we know we close the year every December, usually around the second weekend since the ESPN deal with a, with a major, a legitimate major, the December pay-per-view seems to always kick a ton of ass. This time it's December 11th, UFC 296. Now we I think we know the main or co-main and the only question here is does this stand out in the same way I feel 295 does? Luke, the main event, welterweight title. Finally, we have resolution on this. Leon Edwards will defend against Colby Covington. And in that on-fire flyweight division, Alexandre Pantoja makes defense number one against Raw Dog himself, Brandon Royval. Look, both fights are, are very good. But Luke Thomas, your reaction if it stays as put, I think you kind of need Patty Pimblin in here or something else big, right? You kind of need an anchor here. This ain't enough. Um,
1: I'm not sure where the market is on this, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I can tell you that I don't, I don't love this main event. I don't know how the rest of the fan base feels, but I don't love this main event. Um, I don't, I mean, just from a meritorious uh, meritocratic standpoint, the, the case for, For Colby over Bilal is like shockingly thin. It's uh, there is there, it doesn't even really exist. Um I get why they're doing it because I think what they're saying is if we're trying to maximize hype, it's people have said, like, oh, is Colby a draw? And there's some kind of debate to be had about that, but he's probably a bigger draw than Bilal at this stage, although Bilal's resume at this stage is, I think, much better. Um, so I don't love this main event. I don't know how the rest of the fan base feels. I guess we will see. I will tell you that I do like the co-main event for a very good reason. One, listen, Pantoja already beat Raw Dog and I think submitted him. His jiu-jitsu was just much cleaner. But I would expect a fun fight in that one, yeah. no doubt about it. And also, that fight's gonna be think- awesome, straight up. Oh, see, gonna no, it's great, gonna be but... for as long as it lasts. For yeah. as long as it lasts, it'll be great. But I'm really heartened by Brandon Moreno taking a step back. I mean, that guy between the Figueredo Wars and then the last fight he had with Pantoja, he really needed a break. Uh, I mean, honestly, Pantoja might not be the same after a fight like that either. So that's something to pay attention to. But certainly on the Brandon Moreno side, he will be back. He's young enough and he's good enough. He'll be back in a title fight before too long, but he needed a break. I'm glad the division can move on and then he can circle back when he's ready. Great call on his part. UFC making a fun fight. I agree. They probably need a patty in there somewhere. I don't know what they're Give gonna me do.
2: Patty Frivola, please, on this one. Yeah, I don't even think you need that for two ninety five. I think those two fights together are just big enough commercially and critically. This is more of hardcore. But I mean, I don't even know what this Leon Colby fight like. There is there are ways this could be a fun fight, but I think we're all sort of stuck in the like, you know, how deserving is Colby? How much is this holding up the division? Is this fair? Blah blah blah. Uh, do you side with, e- I think this is a Brent Brookhouse take, my CBS colleague, our CBS colleague that, uh, uh, you know, UFC's hoping Colby can win this. So then, you know, Trump's Trump's campaign could have the UFC title around his shoulder. Look, I think you just buy a replica one. If you want just give it to Donald. Right. I mean, you know,
1: I mean, the more he gets indicted, the more they seem to love him. So probably, you know, uh,
2: I mean, if Colby could win this, Luke, it, I mean, the fight is not horrible, but there's it's also not awesome it's really not awesome Luke.
1: colby's 36 like you definitely would not want to it'd be dumb to be like oh he can't win but yeah. i will say that leon getting those two back-to-back fights against kamaru and again in particular the second the well the third but you know the two close ones the third fight uh his takedown defense was so goddamn good so yeah. good it's like i mean colby could win it but Yo, i
2: think leon knocks him out to be fair I think this fight is fun, and then Colby gets knocked out. I
1: mean, Col— if Colby knocks out, can you imagine that, Leon? Sorry, can you imagine if Leon Edwards knocks out in his career both Kamar Usman and Colby Covington? That's wild. That's wild. that is wild to think about. But you're certainly a very real possibility.
2: Because Colby, we learned from the first Usman fight for sure. I mean, he'll he'll get in there sometimes and prove a point in trade. I mean, he he has worked on his striking. Look, you'd say he's got his striking up to. To capable levels i mean not not overly elite or advanced it doesn't do a ton of big damage but he can handle himself
1: passable passable um he's tough but you know the real we all know the, the score the score is sure. if he stands with leon he's probably going to get chewed up so he's going to want to wrestle and well, let's see what he can do
2: all right there we go uh we have a colby quote here right let's can you we have uh we
1: have two videos of colby and a quote
2: Let, let's go to this quote here
1: All right, let's see the quote, if we can get that up here. Here's the quote. He said, quote, I've already made the promise that I'm going to win the undisputed title on December 16th, of course, UFC 296 BC, and I'm going to bring that title back to the UK, and I'm going to defend it there for those people. They deserve a show because they're electric and the (laughs) most thoughtful, most genuine fans I've ever met in my life. BC, he's putting the Brits, he's putting the Brits over. I mean, I don't even disagree with him, but he's – I'm telling you, he's kind of turned this corner into he's still a bit of a troll and all that stuff and, you know, pushing buttons and insulting people. Yeah. But he's also kind of trying to become the grandfatherly elderly statesman kind of role about, uh, you know, I've, I'm, I'm an institution who's been here a long time. Love me for it kind of thing.
2: So you think it's a it's a slight face turn?
1: Yes. Slight. Yes, I mean he—he he is,
2: you know. Sometimes he leans hard into the American hero thing, and then you know he's certainly playing a, a hero role, even if he has villainous tendencies. Well, but well, uh, let me
1: set this up if I can, uh, because it leads into the other video that I want to play. Sure. Mikey, do it if we can. Play the video where he talks about Colby talks about Sean Strickland. Let's see that one.
0: I'm surprised you don't like Strickland a little bit. You guys seem to have
2: some of the same values uh, as well. Uh, wh- why? Uh, wh- why are you? Why are you like a fan of him? No, I was just curious about that because he's outspoken yeah. like you are.
0: I was in the most just obnoxious manner and just belligerent and just so low, low IQ, bro. That guy, that guy has no wits. I mean, he just says some of the most just egregious, nasty stuff. And, and you know, I, I can't identify with anything with that guy. So, okay. you know, he said some really stupid things about women and, and I respect women. I think it's equality out there and everybody should be entitled to someone. It's not who, if they're a woman, what the color of their skin, skin, uh, skin is, it's about who's most qualified for a job. So, dude, he's an idiot, and he, he's even a f- weaker fighter. And, you know, he got lucky that, that Izzy cashed out or
1: <laughs> I got to tell you, I did not see this one coming. This was – you're talking about the slight
2: face turn. I'm like – yeah, a little bit, a little bit, yeah, right? A little bit. That's a that's a. It seems like an educated pivot because we did say after Trump uh, lost, Luke originally, you know, what's going to be the pivot? Is he going to go hard in the DeSantis paint? But it seems like he stayed hard Trump. But he is trying to at least work this image and and, and keep some people happy. Luke, uh, serious question: Let's say Colby does win the title, outworks Leon largely with wrestling. It's not overly exciting, but it's impressive does the UFC do a, uh, a Leon rematch in England or do you do the Kamaru trilogy next? Because a lot of people are saying, Hey, with Strickland winning the title, how about Kamaru and Strickland rematch for the middleweight title? But you know, Kamaru's not in that division. It's hard to really fully justify that. Could you justify a Kamaru Colby title trilogy fight?
1: Uh, no, I mean, they might do it, but that would be kind of weird. I don't, Day, well, the first Mikey fight was good great.
2: dude. Was the first fight great? Yes or no?
1: First fight was great. Yes. I mean, yeah. Colby doesn't Give think so because point. of the stoppage, but the fight itself was was very good. Yes. Um, he could. You're. You know what? Honestly, honestly, any. I. I think Mikey's probably right. Like anything is up for grabs. Anything is possible here. Any. Anybody. They're gonna make the like the kind of fight. I mean, we're talking about these ticket prices, right? Like on some level, they're delivering the goods. With UFC 295 but if you're just going to be putting ticket seats at a maximum amount you have to be making matches that give you enough license to do that kind of thing which is to say which ones would get the biggest consumer pop yeah. as long as that's like they're guiding North Star and as much as it has been recently shit yeah dude anything's
2: possible right? that's why i brought up the leon edwards rematch even though i wouldn't want a knee-jerk rematch in this spot but colby's even talking about when i win the title i'll go to england well who are you going to fight in england leon in a rematch at a big stadium hey that's not a bad idea right they Uh, make those decisions luke they make the decisions for the big live gate that's the ufc aim right now because they can't really make too much more on the pay-per-view level right is that the agreed theory that with that espn deal like unless it's like Habib Connor too this is the, their best aim to maximize revenue right by aiming at that live gate and shooting up the ticket prices and focusing on single matchups that would drive the most local interest
1: that's right that's exactly right and also you know stacking a card is you know you' you're robbing. if depending on how you're in your business model if you really stack a card with like three, four, five, five good fights those are fights you can't use at subsequent events where if you're going for a live gate audience, you also want to be able to maximize revenue. So some of that has been peeled back a little yeah. bit because of the way in which they get they get heavily rewarded on a per, on a per event basis with their guarantees on pay-per-view. Then they get a little bit or they get some depending on how much further it sells. So, of course, your point is if something just doesn't sell crazy big, the difference is, is not so significant. So why... If, you're not, if you don't have those kinds of fights available, why worry about that? Worry about other ways to generate revenue off of it, and here you go.
2: Yeah, this has been a much different year, like a, a stark change in direction in terms of that matchmaking. It's 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 interesting, but nobody asked them about it ever. That's weird. Uh, we already played the James Lynch video with Colby and the Oscar Willis uh, Twitter or X quote, but we have one more video, Colby talking about Hamzat Chimaev. Let's listen in. Someone who doesn't seem like he's in your division anymore is Hamzat Chimayev. How do you think he'll do moving up to middleweight? He's fighting Paulo Costa coming up here.
0: Yeah, of course he's not in my division, James, because he ran for me. That dog-faced-looking motherfucker was scared shitless. That's the reason this—you know—that it took so long for me to get a fight. The UFC was trying to book that fight with me and him for like six months to a year. you know. But he's not a professional. The guy couldn't make weight. He missed weight by nine pounds. Didn't he also have visa issues, or am I making
2: that up? That seems to be like there
1: was remember those reports being like, oh, his passport got taken and they were like, it didn't. You know, it was like, uh, what happened there? I just find it amazing, dude. I mean, I'll say this for Colby, dude. He'll talk shit about people that will 100 percent run up on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in public, people that will absolutely run up on him. He'll just say whatever he wants. I mean, I don't know how advisable that is, but he
2: does it. I mean, is when you have a double leg like that, and you you can break that out in a public fight, that's got to give you extra confidence, though, right?
1: It must. It absolutely must. Because that'll I prevent you from it. getting
2: the shit kicked out of you, right? For the most part, depending on the matchup and the situation. Um, yeah, but unless
1: it's multiple attackers, and you know, and you're in line at a food place in uh, a casino, and then people are chucking trays, and you know, yeah, you get a little dicey there.
2: Well, Mikey in all caps telling me no more immediate rematches. I
1: know people love me. Everyone's like, could we do three
2: or four of these? And I'm like, can we just do one and move on? How about that? Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. One at a time there. Uh, Let's go to topic three. This is Luke's reaction to the fight announcements of the week. And we have a UFC fight night on December 2nd. Two women's Bantamweights who can use a rejuvenation. Misha Tate versus Julia Avila. Luke, does that move you?
1: I'm curious to see what Misha Tate has left. Yeah. You know, she had that long break. She worked for one championship for a while. I think she had like a VP role with the company. Um, She was doing some broadcast work, and then she quietly wanted to go back to fighting, and there has had its fits and starts. Huh?
2: She became a mom. She became a mom,
1: absolutely. That was part of it, too, yes. But, uh, yeah, was. I mean, she underwent a lot of changes and was gone for a while. I think the return has been a little bit up and down. Um, Yeah. So curious to see if she can put together some momentum, put together a little bit of a winning, a winning way here. She's very experienced. She's been around the fight game a long time. I'm curious to see
2: what she's got left. Luke, that same night, one of my favorite unsung action heroes, Puna Soriano, going to take on Dustin Stolfus. That's a, Stolfus, Luke. That's Stoltz Stolfus, indeed. Fus. <laughs> wait what wow I feel like <laughs> yeah just like wow okay uh, Do does that fight get you all Jake Haggard if you know what I mean Luke okay right you know what I mean does it should that be a fun fight
1: feel- I wouldn't say much more than that it should be a very fun fight
2: I mean Luke how many times did I argue that we should have had in today's rundown the Jake Hager comment that he's retiring from MMA because quote Bellator jerked me off for too long <laughs>
1: The guy literally can't Woo. process any event unless it's referenced and explained sexually.
2: Yeah, he's like, i have got phone her. They jerk me off. Like, well, yeah. I mean, me and Jake Hager, Luke. Yeah, yeah, all the way. Real Americans for sure. Uh, let's go on over to the PFL Championship, which is going to take place. I don't have the date in front of me, Luke. It's going to be in your city though. Coming yeah, up, it's going to be in DC, and it's an ESPN Plus pay per view. Oh, so- it's
1: Black Friday.
2: It's Black Friday. Well, here's your here's your card, and this is on pay-per-view. Uh, main event looks like it's going to be Olivier Aubin Mercier versus Clay Collard for the lightweight championship. You got Goitzev versus Henan Fajeda for the heavyweight championship. Larissa Pacheco against Marina Makratkina for the women's featherweight title. The special attraction of Kay Harrison versus Julia Budd. Then it's Sadabusi and Magomed Magomed-Karamov for the welterweight crown. Gabriel Braga and Jesus Panada for the featherweight strap. And finally, Impa Kasangane and Joshua Silvera for the light heavyweight strap. Remember, a lot of the big names here were removed from that uh that <laughs> that drug test uh failure, which became a month-long pandemic, though, for the smart cage. They have swum out of the out of the BS, Luke. Also on the prelims, you're gonna get Biagio Ali Walsh back again and Bubba Jenkins versus Chris Wade. Luke, is this a pay-per-view? What do we got here? What do you think?
1: No, it's not a pay-per-view. It's not a pay-per-view. I mean, I'm, they're going to charge, but it's not. It's going to tank on pay-per-view. Um, right. That it doesn't that suck.
2: Is... It's good. It's pretty That's good. Right. Right? I
1: didn't let you, you know. It's funny that you asked the question the way that you asked, which is the right one, which is, is this a card that can reasonably earn money on pay-per-view? No, it is not. That is a very different question than asking, hey, are these good fighters and interesting matchups? Yes, in many, many cases, they are excuse yeah. me um the Sadabusi versus megamed megamed caramel fight it might be one of my favorites let's see what kayla harrison looks like here against julia budd again remember at 145 curious Ooh. to see about that one and of course conan silvera taking on impica who's had this incredible resurgence through pfl clay collard versus oam yeah dude there's a lot of really good fighters on this card in fun contests just not ones you can put behind a paywall and expect to make
2: a profit that's yeah, all. that heavyweight title one could be something special too with Henan uh, Fajeda, that big yeah, two uh, different and also Biagio Ali Walsh is on the prelim card.
1: They're yeah. gonna have a rematch again between Bubba Jenkins and Chris Wade. Like, there's some fun fights up and down this card.
2: Luke, topic number four is uh what's what's left of combat for the weekend. We do have a somewhat interesting. Uh heavyweight title bout that we talked about for the interim WBO strap as Jean Jolet and Joe Joyce meet for a second time. This one will be at Wembley arena 5. PM Eastern on ESPN plus. So look back in, uh what was it back a few months ago? uh I have it on April 15th. Zhang could not miss with that left hand, and Joe Joyce just seemed to kind of crumble from the inside out until his swollen eyes became too much and he was stopped in round six. We're running it back quickly here. I mean, it's kind of a title fight, but not really, right? Usyk has three titles, Fury has the other. There's always some of these BS secondary ones, but I do think that first fight was interesting because Zhang had been, I mean, he won silver at the 08 games for China, but Luke, he had been a Padded record. I mean, he's 40 years old. He hadn't really fought big names, and he's been in a lot of fights where I remember he dropped Jerry Forrest three times in the first three rounds and then completely gassed out and hung on for a draw. Like he's had weird moments, and then we found out that he doesn't drink water while training, and that's why he felt dehydrated and why he gasses out. <laughs> him all him the time. and
1: John Daly.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's had this up and down career, meaning like he's never really looked like the goods, although he definitely can punch. He's 6'6". He's in decent shape. He's kind of quick. He could not miss with these missiles. Yeah. And so, Luke, that was a big upset against Joe Joyce. The real question now is, what is this rematch going to look like? A lot of criticism that Joyce may be taking the fight too quickly after being beaten down and stopped. But here's the deal with the weights. The first fight back in April, Joyce was 256, while Zhang was 278. And that 256 really wasn't, a norm for Joyce. He weighed 271 in his best win the previous year when he knocked out former champion Joseph Parker in round 11. So what do he do to come back for this fight? This morning, he weighed in at 281.2. It's the heaviest of his career. But Luke, I'm here to tell you, he looked great. It looks mm. like it's muscle. It looks like he's deciding that whatever experiment it was on trying to get you know th- smaller to maybe be quicker, Whatever it was, he didn't have it against Zhang on that night. He got his ass kicked. I actually support this. His quote right after the weigh-in was, I took constructive criticism and came in heavier because I knew the weight was light last time. This time I corrected all my mistakes. I've been more conscious about what I'm eating. I'm making smart adjustments all around, and my focus and drive is to win this time a lot stronger. We get him at plus 100 as an underdog here. I'm telling you, Luke, I've seen Jung's entire career. What he did in that last fight felt a lot like an aberration, like best moment of his life. It all came together against a somewhat, let's say, compromised or overwhelmed opponent who got rocked early. I think Joyce just a better fighter. I know he's slow as shit, but he's the better fighter overall. Do you know, guys, he's beaten like 6, like six, seven, eight, nine legitimate names. Jung hasn't beaten anybody but Joe Joyce, Luke. This is going to be interesting. I I I think thought I didn't care about this fight, and then when I got into it, I was like, no, there is something here.
1: Well, the issue was, the last time, Joyce just didn't have a great answer for what I was going to call Zhang's southpaw tactics, right? It was just southpaw versus orthodox, if my memory serves, yes? yes. And, and, dude, he just didn't have a great answer for lead foot positioning setups, lead hand fighting. You know, Zhang... Just obviously being the Southpaw was just much more ready for that kind of thing. So the weight change will be interesting. I think that will probably serve him. I generally agree with your with your assessment. But BC, he's going to have to fix the tactical issues that got him in big trouble. Yeah. And that's not really weight related.
2: Now, if he comes in with no head movement and it's just a statue, yeah. What I think he is going to come in is a more powerful attack, looking to come in and do damage and not be chasing Zhang's, you know, leading him the whole way, leading him right into left hands. There's going to have to be some defensive change, there's no doubt. But I think he's coming out to be the hunter, and I think he realizes – that like Zhang has this history, like I said, of like gassing out or falling apart right when it looked like he was putting it together. He's kind of looked like a guy who they've been keeping with a padded record, hoping he can get the one big shot. That one big shot came in his only loss against Philip Ergovich. It was somewhat of a disputed fight, but I didn't think he looked like the world beater even in that fight that he looked like against Joe Joyce here. So it really comes down to what you believe. Now, look, I've never been overly high on Joyce. Now, he's 38 years old. Like he he was a he got a late start but he does have a background amateur-wise, and he's beaten like a string of names you've heard of to get here. And that Joseph Parker fight from from last year, I'm telling you, I never thought he could look that good. Do you remember that fight? He had a motor. He was just bad. He looked like young George Foreman. I mean, he was just battering Joseph Parker, who is still, you know, absolutely legit and way more legit than anyone Zhang's ever faced. People thought that was going to be
1: reasonably competitive, and Joyce just moved downhill on him.
2: I mean, Joyce stopped Daniel Dubois. He beat former title challengers like Brian Jennings, Carlos Taccom, uh Bermain Stavern, And these are all stoppage wins. And, and he's got a bunch of other wins that uh, he's look, he's coming back quick. He's still got actually a black eye on the on the eye. And Zhang all week has been saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, your, your eye's not healed, I'm gonna come back and break it right away. So it's been a little, it's kind of fun. All I'm saying is this fight went from I don't give a damn to now I'm I'm in. So we'll see what happens with these heavyweights this weekend luke how much should we be fired up for the one championship fight card with rod tang versus super which is supposed to be for the one uh muay thai title there at, at what what division was that
1: flyweight muay thai Fly,
2: flyweight but then i believe super missed weight now it's a non-title fight but this seems to be tearing up the internet you're telling me
1: so i don't i'm not going to pretend i know the significance of this fight we are not like close muay thai and this is like remixed muay thai because they're wearing the four ounce gloves i i I can't tell you the importance especially now that there was a weight miss it's non-title i think it's only three rounds like they really downgraded what it was supposed to be but i have noticed that something interesting is happening if you guys were around like when i was when mma hit after the post ultimate fighter boom around 2005 for years, there were big and small kickboxing organizations that tried to, like, take advantage of the MMA boom. I'll give you an example. The organization that Wonderboy fought in, the Chuck Norris World Combat League. And I remember specifically, they had a catchphrase, knockouts, not tapouts." They wanted to find a way uh, to tap into what they thought was what people actually liked about MMA, which was the striking and not the wrestling part, but all of those pitches failed. And so, yeah, you'll remember that glory was on spike in 2011 or 12, whatever it was 13, maybe I can't remember anymore. And I remember that people inside spike at the time, believing that the reason why they kickboxing hadn't been famous yet or, or successful in the U S is, you know, yes, there weren't enough American names, but that what MMA fans really wanted was this, and that didn't work um, in that way either. Like, I have seen kickboxing orgs fail to attract MMA fans by saying that they have the good alternative to MMA. But that's not what one did. First of all, one is like an MMA-first organization, so I think that automatically got people who are MMA fans, obviously, to like them. But they didn't pitch kickboxing as better than MMA. They just pitched a remixed version of it that uses MMA gloves. It leads to kinds of violence and it's controversial like again from what i understand bc like muay thai purists hate this shit um and it's mostly appeals to mma fans but folks should look out one has successfully found a way to get mma fans to watch kickboxing whatever you want to call this remix grappling with, of muay thai in a way that i've never seen any other promoter who puts on kickboxing fights ever come close to getting um it's all the rage among hardcore fans and you know you can like it or dislike it but their effort bc
2: is working it is working quite well yeah and rod tang luke against anybody is uh must see tv in my book but this matchup in particular like has people fired the frick up but what's with the weight miss
1: I don't know, it was a substantial weight miss as well. Again, I couldn't tell you the, like, here's why it's so important for yeah. Muay Thai flyweight. I, I don't know the ins and outs of the this world, but I've just never seen MMA fans gravitate to a kickboxing org quite in the way that I'm seeing them go to four-ounce glove Muay Thai, Again, whatever you want to call it, I even mean, if it's not. Because I know Muay Thai fans like, it's not even Muay Thai. I don't call it that. Fine. I don't know what to call it. But whatever it is that they're putting on, MMA fans love this shit. We just and, call it uh, less
2: guy, Luke. All right.
1: <laughs> okay. I mean, that was a that was a halfway decent dad That's joke. Decent. It was a halfway yeah. decent dad I joke. don't even
2: yeah. think it's racist at all, but uh that one is not an Amazon show. That's one of the ones that they run. It's on uh, right now. It's on yeah. right
1: now on YouTube. It's going on as we speak. So you can In, have a look.
2: Uh, That's the Bangkok show as well. Uh, So look, also this weekend, there's a DAZN card. And by the way, for hardcore boxing fans, the main event is great. Uh, Unbeaten Richardson Hitchens, who's 16-0 and and is a top 140-pound prospect, steps up by far to the biggest, uh, toughest opponent level of his career against Jose Zepeda, who we've seen against the very best in this division, including his very close title loss to Jose uh, Ramirez a few years back. And then he had that unbelievable brawl with Ivan Baranchik in the nasty knockout. And he just lost to, to pro gray for 140 pound title. He got stopped, but uh he's at a very high level. That fight is great. But Luke, the whole story seems to surround this uh, Orlando Florida card that Connor Ben's going to be on it, who hasn't fought in 17 months and has popped dirty in two separate drug test scenarios that have made constant headlines and hasn't really cleared him but the state of florida's like yeah man come on down bro freedom right i mean this is this is how to live i mean this is wow um, if so you easy. need
1: a commission to sock puppet so that they can um you know give you the legal stamp of approval boy florida's got you covered wow
2: I mean, he got into it with Dan Raphael on Twitter, did Cotter, Ben and on X, I'm sorry, and really sent Dan to hell in a very rude way. But uh, there's a lot of talk about this. He's a heavy favorite, as you might expect, Uh, minus Minus 3000 against Rodolfo Orozco, who's plus 1100. And they made this fight on just a couple of days notice. Uh, But I'm sorry, Hitchenson's in the main event, 16 and 0 with seven knockouts, New York City prospect, uh, a good boxer. So that's interesting over there, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's—I mean, I'm not surprised—not surprised, Luke. Just like
1: he just, hasn't uh, had his pro—basically, the the, the there's—it's complicated to a degree, but the basic idea is that he has not in any way had his process fully adjudicated. He has not been exonerated. He just has this very unique uh, legal situation. That allows him to have this fight in Florida uh, without legal penalty, yeah. By how jurisdiction matters in boxing over anti-doping and who can get a license from what. So there's a lot of like, oh, he's you know, he's he's cleared to fight. Sort of, sort of, he's cleared to fight in Florida. That's about it from what I can tell. Um, also, I gotta say this: man, Eddie Hearn has taken a beating over this story the english fans man they've really turned on this guy yeah in a way that i just wasn't happening like
2: six months or have a long before, pre pre-connor well, ben the situation the english the same fans way. Are pre-wired to call out bs on, on the regular yeah, you know what i mean that's so true. um yeah yeah it is interesting there uh i mean still Still, Conor Ben could be something big, Luke. He really hasn't had his like major breakthrough American moment yet. But at 154, he's a interesting villain in the B side of big fights who's got great ability. Who knows if he'll put it all together and you know and see where his career plays out. Also, there's a BKFC 50 as I mentioned with Lorenzo Hunt and Chris Camozzi for the cruiserweight title, Luke. I don't feel that you're all fired up for the rest of that card. You're, you don't. You're not here. BKFC.
1: I, I mean, I definitely don't. I want to hate on anyone who does BKFC. Like, I and mean, they give. They hand out big purses to a lot of these guys, so God bless yeah. them. It's just it's not a lot of defense. It's not a lot of de- – you know, it's just a lot of – Well,
2: if defense is not your thing, Luke, okay? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I got Fair. something for you, Fair. yeah. Uh, let's go to topic five. Hey, the former champion, in Israel Adesonia, depending on which side of the co-host chair you're sitting on, uh, lost his middleweight title to Sean Strickland. Didn't say much in that – press conference appearance before giving way to his coach, Eugene Behrman. We'd seen little droplets of stuff he posted on social media about needing a break, but he came back interviewed by his brother on his own YouTube channel and spoke about the loss and where his head is at. I believe we have a a quote we're going to throw to here, Luke, to kind of put this in full, Uh, reflecting on the loss to Sean Strickland. He said that just felt like a bad dream Feeling it and watching it are completely different. I called Eugene afterward and the same thing. He said, we're quietly confident. Uh, I do have a couple other here. Uh, He said, I just wasn't able to get my rhythm because of Sean Strickland's pressure. He was right there constantly. And whenever I was setting him up because he's right there, then his coach would help him. And I'd be like, fuck, it was just a good game plan on their end. But also for me. I just wasn't able to adjust on the fly. So Luke, from the little pieces of him kind of humbly finally addressing this, you still can make the case that Adesanya uh, getting rocked in round one to the side of the head, which, you know, can be an equilibrium shot that sometimes you don't always recover from. That may just be the story of the fight right there. But he's also saying he he just couldn't get out of park, that he was seeing it, he just couldn't react to it. Either way, Sean Strickland deservedly gets all the praise here, but does this help you better understand the former champion of where his head's at right now?
1: No, I think his what he's saying is I was actually quite delighted to hear this, not the admission of uh, it didn't go right for him, not not, not that in that way, but what I mean to say is I was very curious to see what response he was going to take. Listen... um, him and Eugene being quietly confident, you would expect them to be. You would expect them to believe that they can uh, climb this hill together, that they can figure out a way to solve this problem. Again, they solved the Alex Pineda problem in a way that was pretty dramatic as well. I'm going to guess that they feel like they have the tools and the skills necessary to win in any subsequent rematch that may happen. So I understand that. But the more important part is he just kind of understood that he, he didn't adjust on the fly. He admitted it, which meant he couldn't, and he I think the reason that he couldn't is because Sean shut him down and he didn't take anything away from Sean. He just sort of talked about how internalized it was an awful experience that he couldn't stop. He couldn't figure out a way to do it. Dude, he's telling you, Sean beat him on the night. Like he's not, he, he didn't say, I didn't feel good. This is a style that doesn't work. This is bullshit. He didn't say anything about that. He gave credit to Sean for the win. He gave credit to Eric Nixick for the reads. He admitted he didn't adjust on the fly. This is exactly, if you're an Izzy fan, um, I think given the circumstance, this is what you want to be hearing. You want to hear him say, he shut me down. He shut me down. So it's my job to figure out how to overcome that. I think yeah. I can. That's If you're an Izzy fan, this is good news, not bad.
2: Now, you know, you can over-obsess. I'm trying to figure out the loss, and sometimes we do that, Luke. Um, but, I, you know, I, I still think part of it is Izzy overlooked him, didn't think that the Strickland style would would be that effective against him. And then when it suddenly... He was. I didn't think so either. It was like, oh shit, how do I adjust to this? Uh, I also think it felt felt like a wake up call to the corner. They're just not used to being in that spot, and I don't think they handled it amazingly under under the duress of Strickland starting to pull away on the scorecards. Um, But you know, we'll see. So Luca, if if we could adopt, you know, I wrote a story on uh, CBS Sports yesterday about the future of WWE and UFC under the TKO brand and the do's and don'ts as we've debated on this show about like, you know cool that you guys are partnering, but don't F up my thing. One thing I think you could adopt related to the middleweight title picture, and we kind of talked about this in Mapping Out the Future, is wwe style booking and here's what i think they should do so we both established that we wouldn't be mad if strickland fought ddp next with the assumption that adesanya faces the winner i think you put that fight in australia or new zealand early next year and then obviously you have adesanya play a big role in the broadcast and being around that because he's guaranteed to face the winner if you're setting up for the winner to face adesanya at ufc 300 which we also talked about That's just setting yourself up for big business. But I think you do that in Australia with Izzy there. You're that, that's how you, that's how you, that's storyline building right there. And obviously the fights are going to be what they will be, but that's aggressive marketing. And, 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 you know, there is something they can gain from the WWE if they choose to look. Okay. I tell him selling, Uh,
1: uh, but you know, remember how this fight came to be. They wanted the DDP fight. He couldn't do it. And they had to like rush through the immigration paperwork for Strickland to make it happen. It was an afterthought for UFC, I hope that they can get if there is a rematch in, in the way you described, right? I hope that there is a way that they can put a little bit more of a white glove treatment on it.
2: Yep. But what about Chamayev? What about Robert Whitaker if he bounces right. back? A lot of hey, he's fighting weight.
1: John Jones next. Put it, put you know, mark That's that there. For
2: down. sure. That's for sure. Middleweight, fun as balls. Luke, I don't think you had this on your who could Adesanya fight next bingo card, but Tyron Woodley joined Rampage Jackson on the Jim, Jackson what was this podcast. About? And he said there's only one fighter that he would return to the UFC for. Quote, the only person I would just want to beat the fuck out of is Israel Adesanya. I don't like him because he cap. He was never Israel Adesanya. Uh, I think he just called him fake as shit, Luke. I didn't see this coming, right? Well, you know what I mean? No? I yeah.
1: Is there demand in any capacity? No, no, for... no,
2: no, no, nobody. This is this is a a, a mood point a moot point, Luke. But I, I really like moot points to be very fair with you. This is was an interesting one, you know.
1: Yeah, this was out of nowhere. I mean, he got some headlines. Um, you know, Tyron had a great I thought Tyron had a great MMA career. I don't know what the fuck this is.
2: Well, he was you know pretty good as Sensei Odell in season five, Luke, of that teenage drama that you refused to watch. Unless the teenagers
1: actually... are getting ripped to pieces and stabbed, I just don't care. It's also
2: about the drama of middle-aged men like ourselves, Luke. I guess we yeah, are. Yeah, let me see more
1: it. of that sadness porn that uh, yeah, you well, know. I just can't okay. get
2: enough of. <laughs> I'm 45 years old. Guess what got delivered yesterday? Are you ready? Uh,
1: a suppository.
2: <laughs> no, my first recliner. My first. Ooh, recliner. What did you get? You know, I got I got a smaller late. My living room's not that large. I got a smaller Lazy Boy, but it's kind of cool and it's comfy and it does you know legs up mm-hmm. and it goes back. It's perfect. Dude, but I this literally told my
1: wife. Hold on a second. I told my wife on Tuesday I wanted a lazy boy in the house. On yes. Tuesday, I had that conversation with her.
2: Okay, that's great. So what? So let me ask you this. I mean, my wife already calls it my, you know, the the official symbol of my midlife crisis now because it's the same thing as growing a ponytail and driving a, a convertible, which I'm also talking about, Luke. Um, th- what does this say about me that I'm giving in? I mean, <laughs> I'm tapping out. That I mean, I think Alistair just felt it, Luke.
1: I honestly believe this. The older I get, the joy of aging is just not giving a fuck anymore. People always wonder, like, man, that old man didn't give a fuck. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They don't care. And then you always see, we always talk about it, like the old men in the locker rooms, they put on their shoes first. Balls and dicks just go, you know, flapping in the breeze. And it's like, who who doesn't have shame? I'll tell you who. Old man, yeah, old mother.
2: Wow. Mikey's saying he got one for Christmas last year. Best gift. Christmas ever.
1: gift ever. Can you imagine how many edibles he's just crushed <laughs> and then laid down on that thing?
2: Dude, if I ever sit down in Mikey's chair, I bet I could reach and find handfuls under the cushion. Just like all different varieties. You want uppers? You want downers? Yeah, it's great. You know, hopefully some loose change too in there. <laughs> oh, um,
1: that is, uh, I would love Mikey. We got Mikey's chair truly is the sunken place.
2: I want to go to the <laughs> sunken place on molly and delta eights in the middle of those couch yeah. cushions oh, so much resin in there it'd be great wow <laughs> uh let's transition here to a segment where we we stand trial right no i did not have relations with that woman but sometimes in front of a microphone i do say some absolute bullshit that's either offensive Me or too. just straight up wrong i mean and that's why if you come hard and you come original with receipts you might just find out that luke and i was dead wrong Just no audio on this thing. All right. We've got angry male viewers, Luke. Let's start with Nick. Good day, degenerates. On today's episode, Wednesday, September 20th, when displaying the sweet Pacer Allen shirt that I happen to be wearing right now, Luke, uh, you referred to Pacer's son, Arnold Allen, as a lightweight. BC, you're dead wrong. He's a featherweight. I could call you all sorts of shit, but the fact that you shouted out my favorite musician Jeff Buckley on one of your solo episodes you get a pass yeah so I'm talking about great 90s album one of the best of all time there that grace album Luke anyway uh I'm wrong it was a featherweight in real time um I'm the CT from the CTE right Luke or maybe that's the mm-hmm. other way around mm-hmm. um yeah I was I was dead wrong he's a featherweight obviously I mean come on you know yeah. glad you know that now. Where's my white belt? Okay, let's keep this going here, Luke. Uh, we're going to go over to Minha. Min, How would you pronounce M-I-N-H-A, and how would you assign gender uh, a status, or should we just avoid that?
1: Um, Well, I don't know much about Portuguese, but it's probably like Spanish, where if it ends in an O or an A, it tells you the gender. M- Minha? I, yeah, that's going to okay. be my best guess.
2: Well, hey, mean, hello, BCNLT. Roughly 39 minutes into episode 488, there was a graphic displaying fighters that had lost and immediately regained their UFC title. The graphic stated Amanda Nunes lost to Pena at UFC 256 and gained it back at 63, but that's dead wrong. Nunes lost her belt at UFC 269 the same night DP lost to Oliveira and she regained it at 277. I would say MK needs to be more professional but the unprofessionalism is why the show is the greatest. Much love, mean-ha. Uh, Thank you, thank you for that compliment. Hey,
1: Mikey's catching strays.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couple couple got through there over to Mike. Usually uh, it's
1: me and you just in front of the fire squad.
2: Yeah, that's pedantic is all heck to uh, but that you know something triggered in that in the fan of the P one's mind, Luke. They know stuff. They remember. They know stuff. the wisdom of right. crowds. Yep. Uh. Yeah. Let's finally end with Daz. This guy, D-A-Z-Z, Luke, he, he he gets in here on every dead wrong. You know what I'm saying? This oh, guy,
1: yeah, Daz, back up on that ass and give these motherfuckers a
2: blast from the past. Oh, right. shit. Uh, he says, Aloha, donks. During episode 489 at 19 minutes, 30 seconds, Luke mentions the stat about the 1-11 record of women 35 years old or over in UFC title fights, stating that one win is Amanda Nunes getting it back from Juliana Pena. That one win is... Okay, he's claiming that you claimed that that it only happened once and it was Nunes over Pena. Luke, that's dead wrong. The only time Amanda fought for a title since turning 35 on May 30th, 2023, was her retirement fight against Aldana at UFC 289. Uh, She was 34 years, two months, against Pena in the rematch. Mahalo, for all the weekly and bonus content thank you yes, daz
1: yes Luke, you're so dead wrong it wasn't that shit. one it was the last fight but it was, it was, that's the only one
2: all right well hey guys if you have further th- dead wrongs or you want to join this fan sub parade go to morning combat at gmail.com luke i did hear a whisper that uh average joe art was going to press pause on designing the our future merch and maybe Put on a red hat and try to make uh fan subs great again, Luke. I heard a rumor. I heard a rumor. Okay. I,
1: I hope he does. By the way, don't forget to tell folks to vote for us for the world MMA
2: Awards. Uh yeah. Uh, but hold on. Oh, there's the there's the graphic. Let's hit it hard now, guys. We have a chance to win three in a row. We're up against people like Ariel Hawani and Dana White and John Annick. All people I love or a lot of I love a lot of those people to be fair. Uh you can hit that QR code though if you believe Morning Combat is the best MMA show of the last calendar year i believe the awards dinner is december we'll see but we have a chance to do it three straight you can go to worldmmaawards.com to do it that way i think you have to sign up but you don't have to give your credit score or you know declare yourself a lord or a laird you can leave um, me
1: five bucks in the super chat though yeah
2: yeah you can <laughs> join the team there okay become an investor in luke's hot ass tanks yeah that's what i'm talking about Luke. right um there you go with that. I had some other BS to to regurgitate. I forgot. To be very fair with you, I forgot what it was. But um, uh what else? You know, Luke. What else? You can you? Do you have two minutes to just shoot the S with me? I mean, what's going on? Yeah, in your sure. Life, you know, I mean, are you going to make it? How are you doing?
1: Uh, I'll be all right. It's supposed to rain like a motherfucker this weekend, and that's going to kind of ruin things. But um, you know, I'm making it. I'm making okay. it. I got a call yeah. with you no know, uh, personal trainer later. Oh, nice. You know, I have to I have to lift as soon as the show is over. I have to lift. So we'll see, man. We'll see. I'm excited about uh, you know what? I'm excited about Canelo next week. I'm excited about Canelo. Dude,
2: I'm really excited about Canelo next week. And I think I've been very early on the hey, I get why Canelo's like a more than a three to one favorite, but like Jermel's in this fight. Like this could be a fight. Dude, I just got an email from Freddie Roach's publicist that that had a quote from Freddie saying my prediction is Charlo by knockout. Now that that is an extreme prediction, but Camello's never even been knocked down. I d- that's a great point as well. I do think people need to realize though that Jer- like Jermel does have what it takes to do this. Like this is a this is a badass fight, absolutely badass. You know the thing for
1: me is it's like oh, it's two weight classes. For me, it's like it's it really is one because I do think he could move to one sixty and do really well. Um, but still, and Canelo, you know, Canelo hasn't looked the same, you know, but I don't know, man. Yeah, so I talked fight for to Derek, Jamel.
2: I talked to Derek James yesterday, uh, the trainer of Charlo for a feature I'm writing. And I was like, you know, you guys have seen the odds. So what's the one thing you think everyone's missing when they, when they assign, you know, the great Canelo Alvarez, those odds. And he said, this is a 154 palm fight. People need to realize that, that yes, Canelo's won titles at 68 and 75, but he's fighting at, at a closer to a walk around weight to do that. That really, these are two junior middleweights who, you know, I mean, you hear that great soundbite that Showtime keeps playing in these little infomercial things of, of Charlo saying, basically my whole career has been preparing to fight Canelo. Like I've been on this track since I turned pro, like Canelo was in my crosshairs and, um, I'm getting fired up here, Luke. That size difference did not look to be that much. I mean, the girth and the power and the chin, all that is is—is going to have a say here. Charlo is also going to be very good at this weight, I think. It really comes down to either can he outwork and outbox Canelo, or can he actually bring the firepower that forces Canelo to, to make changes, Luke? Do you believe he does? Do you believe Charlo can bang with Canelo?
1: A little bit his left hook is one of the best left hooks in the business. Now we should peel back the curtain here a little bit on Wednesday. After all the stuff we did, uh, we did a couple things. We shot regular MK and then we did some stuff for CBS. And then I did a dissected on a bit of a preview. I don't know how good it's going to be, but I tried on Charlo versus Canelo. BC left right in the middle of that. He actually just went home yeah. and didn't even say goodbye. He didn't well, say goodbye Well, I, I can't interrupt
2: your, your recording to say that. My, I mean, I finished
1: my, at like 5.27, and you were already gone for a car that wasn't supposed to be there at 6. But, you know, that's what that's you yeah The driver I'm, I'm arrived
2: early, Luke, and I took advantage of that. I got the hell uh, oh, out of did. there. Oh, <laughs> you did. <laughs> you certainly did. Yes,
1: yeah, yes. You got the fuck out of Dodge. But uh, I would say this. We went over it, and that when I did the Charlo breakdown, I picked the Rosario fight. The second Harrison fight, the second Castaño fight. I think those are three pretty good representatives of what you're gonna get with Jamel Charlo. His left hooks is one of the his left hook is one of the best in the business. I mean, he has a phenomenal left hook, powerful, aggressive, does it with level changing and can spring into it. He's dynamic. The problem for him is dude, he backs up to the ropes relatively easily. He can be hit. He's not a he's not a defensive wizard. He's not like terrible at it, but he's not like it's right. not a strong suit per se. Uh, and he gives up rounds. And you give up rounds against a guy like Canelo in Las Vegas. Dude, it's going to be hard. Also, I picked the underdog in Plant Benavidez, and I picked the underdog in, you know, Spence Crawford and ate shit
2: for it both times. I'm picking the fucking favorite this Yeah, time. you should. I mean, and the, the whole narrative of, is it true that Canelo's saying, I'm healthy for the first time. I can train at full speed. I'm different when I can train at full speed. Is that a way of just talking himself into the idea that even though he's 33 – he does have a lot of mileage, and I do believe when the when it falls for him, it could be swift because he does have a lot of mileage since being a pro since he was fifteen. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, what so I said I was fights. looking forward
1: to Vegas when Canelo. What I mostly meant was walking to the weed store. That was really oh okay top okay, of mind. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
2: Well, I will say this, Luke. Um, I love this fight. I mean, w- could you imagine what what like Jermel Jermel can say about himself if he goes from becoming the undisputed oh champion at 154? Then moves up two eight divisions, takes on the guy there with four belts, and it happens to be the biggest name in the sport and the head of that division. Like, oh, oh, dude,
1: shit. the Charlos, like, it's funny because uh Jermall obviously has got a lot of issues going on. It seems like he's trying to work on it, so we'll see how that goes. But Jermall is an undisputed champion. He has all the belts, the four major belts at uh, 154, right? But, you know, the Charlos have been slow to get, I think, the kind of critical respect that they believe that they deserve. And, um, you know, because he did lose to Harrison the first time, and then he was losing long stretches of the Harrison rematch before he stopped him. The Castaño one was a bit more back and forth. Um, And then Rosario, he just completely ran over. But the point I'm trying to make is, even an undisputed Charlo at 154, you know, he doesn't, like, When you talk to boxing heads, they don't necessarily pick him as like, oh, this guy's really, really great. They kind of begrudgingly acknowledge it. And the point I wanted to make, BC, was even if you wanted to say that Canelo is diminished even at age 33, by the way, they're both 33. If Charlo goes in there and beats Canelo, and to the point that the publicist had made, let's just pause it by stoppage, which I find very unlikely, but, you know, whatever. Dude, you want to talk about all the critical respect – that Charlo yeah. has been looking for all of his career from all boxing in. media, from boxing fans, it it might ruin him in the sense that it would be a tidal wave.
2: It'd be what Crawford just lacked. Like, uh, look at what Terrence Crawford has gone th- since beating Errol Spence. Yes. He's become like an overnight sensation, and he had a babyface turn and everything. You know what I mean? Like everything, not that he was a villain, but just that he was sort of always so quiet and wasn't trying to put himself out there now that he has the chance to to Peacock a little. It's been great. He's doing it. And then can you imagine – the cool thing is, Luke, I don't know what's going to happen with the Spence rematch. I did see the reports that that Crawford made the stipulation with the weight welterweight and not 154, and that's where you have to ask yourself, is he trying to get Spence to not accept it? I'm not sure. We, I, I'm interested in seeing. But imagine Crawford against Jermell win or lose against Canelo. Imagine if that was the next big one, Luke, for all four belts at 54 – And Crawford has a chance to become a three division, four belt undisputed champion. That would, I mean, this is these are the fights you dream of, right? This I'm gonna get emotional.
1: Crawford was explicit this week. He wants to be the first, as you indicated, triple undisputed champion, and then just be done. So, dude, what he wants to do, uh, and he gets dude. Here's the crazy part about it. Now, if Charlo ends up beating Canelo, he's not C- – Crawford's not going to get either because they're going to rematch. Like, there's just – I mean, no way that that would go without a rematch. Um, but I would, I could say that even if Charlo won and there wasn't a rematch invoked, him fighting Charlo would accomplish that goal and I think would be very competitive. But what he really wants is for Canelo to win and then to take on Canelo. And I got to say, BC, if Canelo wins, I, you know, we were there for Benavidez' plant. I would love to see Canelo fight David Benavidez.
2: Oh, wow. But I that mean, takes look a look backseat to Terrence Crawford. About.
1: I'm sorry. It takes a backseat to Terrence Crawford.
2: It does. It does. I mean, look at the look at the wealth that we have at the moment as boxing fans and journalists. I mean, it, it, the possibilities right now, they do feel endless. I mean, should I start to wake up that, hey, Maybe Tank could fight Haney one day or Shakur. I mean, you know what I mean? Look, like sometimes sparks lead to momentum and then the house is on fire. But as long as the fights on the TV are great, I could feel the heat, Luke, because we are firemen. We live in the heat. We live in the basement.
1: We live in the fire. I
2: mean, come on now. Is it all right to just boast? You know what I mean? As a boxing fan and just... Just peacock that shit around for a second? Wow, what a time to what a time to stand around a water cooler or be in a barbershop, right, Luke? Talk some fights like men.
1: What kind of uh, pornography are you going to watch in Las Vegas? Okay, all right, there we go. There is the end
2: of it. I hope we run into uh, uh, top rank chairman Bob Arum on your travels like we did that one time. Remember that time in that store, that, that left-handed cigarette store? That was great. You know, he no. was he
1: was experiencing significant allergies, BC, because his eyes were really where They were red, okay. you know.
2: True story, when we approached Bob, and this was like midnight, you know, <laughs> I was like, I'm like, oh, Tuesday or Wednesday or something. We were Wait, in
1: a 24-hour weed store, by the way.
2: And uh, and you know what did we drop on him? (laughs) Hey Bob, (laughs) fuck Coppinger! Yeah, yeah. He was like, what?
1: (laughs) Dude, his eyes were so watery when he looked at us. I was like, he was like, my man's been eating some cookies on the way here, huh? Yeah. Wow. So
2: good. I love Bob. So good. I mean, shut that fuck up, you little prick. I mean, that's shut the fuck
1: up, you little prick
2: that's just um i mean look you can catch strays in this business right dan rayfield's been getting it lately from people on on x not ecstasy Luke. i don't mean molly but uh you know what i'm talking about are, we, are you, you calling it x now
1: elon musk just running this shit into the ground he's just like yo, you're gonna be able to make calls on this like guy i've already got like 10 ways <laughs> to make phone calls why the fuck am i gonna do it on? TV?
2: i don't like talking on the phone at all stop me i know it's it. like yeah. dude, you
1: are enabling features i do not fucking need at all yeah
2: yeah that's great luke that's great a lot of people with blue blue checks though and like no followers it's it's weird it's a weird world now you know
1: because dude all it does is amplify them in replies but these people can't generate an audience to save their fucking life so they can't really make effective use for the most part they can't make effective use out of the changes it's like i mean everyone's like the future of humanity rests i'm like the future of humanity this, this fucking guy is just going to crash and burn the new MySpace. I, humanity's got j- fuck all to do with this dude's quest.
2: What do you think Tom from MySpace is now? He's got to have millions in the bank, right? He sold,
1: all... he sold for hundreds of millions and he's probably, I mean, just
2: planning just Fire Fest with his D yeah. out
1: somewhere, right? <laughs>
2: That guy's probably had a lot of gross sex, Luke. I don't know if it's been consensual. Oh, yeah. To be fair. Oh, yeah. yeah. The grossest. Yeah, that's just wow. All right. Hey, maybe we should wrap on that note. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Mikey. You know, Luke, they uh we mean, ended today's ap- show
1: wondering if Tom from MySpace had gross sex.
2: <laughs> yeah. The Apollo hook is right around that corner. A special thank you to Mikey Moore uh for producing our final broadcast uh from CBS Sports and That's the great Luke Thomas. You can enjoy the fights this weekend. A reminder that Bellator 299 is on Showtime Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern from Dublin is the start of the main card, the middleweight championship and the main event, a pretty damn good card up and down. And you can check out those prelims beginning 11 a.m. Eastern on the Showtime and Bellator, the the Showtime Sports YouTube channels. Uh, Morningcombat.store for our fantastic selection of merchandise. Uh, Let's help. Let's, you know, Get outfit. I mean, if you put on a bomber jacket in the fall while you're drinking a pumpkin coffee, I mean, that's the that's probably. Or you can climb Mount Fuji in a bomber jacket, and like that that gentleman did. So shout out to that guy. Uh, also, I want to say, Luke, that uh, YouTube.com/slash Morning Combat. You know, there might be some videos you haven't seen on there. Interviews we've done. We got the a new room service diaries. We do those pregame previews. So check out the goodness going on over there. Stream Showtime for 30 days at Showtime.com. Luke, anything else you want to sell?
1: Nah, we're good. We gave it to him this week. We banged.
2: All right. Uh, Luke the will be selling his soul uh, moving forward on the Thursday live chat. So great talking to you people. Uh, have a great weekend and take care of yourselves. And And we love you. You know, we don't always say it. Probably because we're afraid you're going to remove our organs systematically, you know, like in like dim lighting somewhere, you know, with like less than ideal health standards, to be fair. But uh, just the same. Thanks for uh, voting for us all the time. Uh, three in a row. We're, we, we might do it. We might do
0: it. But that's up to you. Until then, we're, we're out of here. We're out of here.